Oh, you've guessed it if you've tuned in. It is Wake Up to the Word, and it is Friday's edition of Old Testament Thursday. My apologies. Busy, busy week. Had a crazy week, so we are going to put two episodes in today. So by this evening, you should be seeing both episodes uh, both Old Testament Thursday and New Testament Friday coming in. And I know, I know exactly what you're thinking. You are thinking, yeah, that is the best. Let's get that applause right up there. We got the studio audience. We are very happy. We got some cheers going on. Yeah, that's just good stuff. All right. And we have an exciting chapter for you and a couple of questions. Actually, we have one question on this in Old Testament Thursday, and we have three questions for New Testament Friday, so I will deal with them in the order in which they come. So uh, we do not want to uh, jump ahead. We're we're getting this all done uh, on the same uh, episode, on the same day. I'll answer the questions in the order in which they come. So uh, our, our Bible reading... For this week in the Old Testament is uh, 1 Samuel 4 through 11. And there's some exciting stuff going on there, I want to tell you. Um, the Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant, not Noah's Ark. They didn't capture Noah's Ark. They captured the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, my title thing here in my Bibles just says, Philistines capture the Ark. And I was like, boy, Noah's going to be ticked off. And then I read it, and it was, wasn't was the same. No, that's not. Got my ceiling fan going. It's blowing my pages over. All right. So we have right away, we get right in the beginning of Chapter 4. You may have noticed. I hope you did notice. And if you've been uh, listening to us uh, for any length of time, this should be jumping off the pages at you by now, okay? The word and the word of the Lord. Oh, sorry. That's the wrong spot. I'm down here. Uh, where did I have that? Underlined. It's actually, I think, in the next chapter. So, anywho, sorry about that. I'll, I'll, I'll have it jump out at you when, next time when it comes out. The word of Samuel came to Israel. So, uh, that's that's Samuel comes and speaks to Israel. Oh, oh, that's where it was. It was at the end of chapter 3. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And there's another reference in here as we go, and I will get to it when we get to it. So, um, but... Uh, Israel went into battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men. Now, you remember, God's got some issues here with Eli and Phinehas, and I'm getting... I got all kinds of stuff going on here. Eli and Phinehas, as they were leading the leading the people, as they were the prophets, uh, the um, priests of uh, and they were doing all kinds of bad stuff. So God, uh, God's got issues. And so uh, they're losing in battle. And so then they call for the Ark of the Covenant to come down to where they are in battle. 
and uh, when the ark shows up, everybody cheers as as uh, as, as that happens, and it's some very interesting responses as the Philistines discover <clears throat> why they're cheering. They hear the cheers, what's going on, and they they discover that the ark of the covenant has been brought in, and here is their response. And when they learned about the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A God, notice that, has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? Plural. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. So the Philistines are under the assumption that the Ark holds multiple gods, and that is probably due to the multiple plagues that has uh, everyone in the area has been aware that has happened in Egypt. So, <clears throat> so they go back into battle with them. The Philistines fought Israel, and they defeated them again, and they took the Ark and captured it. Uh, and killed Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phineas. And Hoff, uh, uh, Eli's uh, not too, uh, he's, he's, he's old now, he's 98 years old, and he gets the word, we're in the end of chapter 4 here, somebody runs back, tells him your two sons are dead, and he falls over, and he's such a big guy, he falls over and his neck breaks his neck, and he dies. And because of all of this that happened, um, Phineas's wife goes into labor. She's she's uh, uh, pregnant. She goes into labor. She has the child, and she dies in labor or after right after labor. Um, but she has a son, and she calls him Ichabod. Ichabod means no glory. There is no glory because the Ark of the Covenant has been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband and she said the glory has departed from israel for the ark of god has been captured so the philistines get the ark and they bring the ark in and they put it they bring it to ashdod and they took it and put it into the house of dagon and dagon is one of the gods uh worshiped there and it it is represented by the face and hands of a man but it has a fish body and tail and so it's that's dagon it's a dagon shame that they worship that oh boy come on come on come on that's that's funny all right sorry maybe it wasn't so fun but it is a dagon shame that they worship him but they put the Ark of the Covenant into the temple with the the with with the statue, the idol of Dagon, and uh, but when they rose, this is uh, chapter five, verse four. But when they rose early in the morning, early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen face down on the ground before the Ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon in both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left. This is why the priests of Dagon and all who enter the house of Dagon do not tread on the threshold of Dagon to, in Ashdod to this day. That's the day it was written, not to this day. <clears throat> I don't know, maybe they don't. So the hand of the Lord, they said, is heavy against the people of Ashdod. 
and he terrified and afflicted them with tumors. And when the men of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is hard against us um, and against Dagon, our God. And here's, here's what I wrote down. Here's what I noted. Uh, we talk about this word Elohim and that uh, uh, people uh, use it inside the church, outside the church, that Elohim is, is the God of Israel. Elohim is a generic word for God, and it's used in every instance in this text. So the ark of the God of Israel, Elohim of Israel, must not remain with us, for his hand is hard against us and against Dagon, our God, Dagon, our Elohim. So they use the same word for both. That's important to understand because uh, if you take that Elohim word and you give it more weight, then you might identify it incorrectly in a context. So it can mean the God of Israel, the Elohim of Israel, just said it, or it might say uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim, uh, Lord Lord God. Um, and so it's identifying as Almighty God. And so that that's uh, often the distinction, but other times it's used in other contexts. <clears throat> so you have to understand that even uh, it can be translated as a little g in your Bible as well. So you got to do a little, got to do a little hunting. You have to do a little research. Um, uh, so uh, they move, they move the uh, ark around to the different uh, um, Philistine. Communities, they keep moving it around. They move it to, uh, let me see, Gath. Uh, they move it to, uh, uh, they move the Ark to Ekron. Uh, and everywhere that it goes, the people develop these tumors and they get sick and die. And so <clears throat> they, they cry out and they say that they didn't want to be struck down. And so in chapter 6, Finally, the ark is returned to Israel, and so, but, but if you notice right at the beginning of chapter six, the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months, so they had it a long time. <coughs> Sometimes we look, sorry, I didn't hit my cough button. Sometimes we look at these things and we, we, we think that it all happens um, instantaneously because we read it and it's only a few chapters, uh, but it was there seven months. So... They want to return it, and the Philistines called for a priest and the diviners and said, "What shall we do with the Ark of the Covenant? Tell us what we shall, uh, uh, what we shall send it, uh, what we shall send it to its place. What we should send with it to it, send it to its place." They said, "If you send away the Ark of God, do not send it empty, but by all means return with with a guilt offering." So they tell them they got to do all this stuff. Some of the, a lot of this chapter is about that gift guilt offering and what they need to do and everything they need to put in there. And um, and they they bring it to Beth Shemesh and uh, God starts striking people down there. Uh, uh, and he struck some of the men at Beth Shemesh. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Because they looked upon the ark of the Lord, he struck 70 of them and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people down. And so... Um, so they sent messengers to inhabitants of Kiriath-Jerim, 
uh, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it. Come and take it. So the men of Kiriash Jermin came and took the ark of the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. Abinadab. Abinadab. And they consecrated his son Eliezer to have charge of the ark of the Lord from the, from the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath Jerim. A long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So it, it stayed there a long time. So then Samuel judges Israel. So Samuel said to the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals, the Baals, and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. So the put away means not just to, you know, put away, like but put in a cabinet, but it says turn and depart from it. That's what that Hebrew word means. Uh, and so we we uh, we depart from that. So you don't just put it away. You don't just you don't just put it somewhere. Uh, you know, in case you want to come back to it. That's not turning away from it. That's not departing from it. Um, and this is uh, Ashtaroth uh, is represented as a star, and it is the goddess of fertility. Uh, so it is a female uh, represented represented god. Um, so as they turned from there, if we get all the way down to 14, the cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from the Ekron, from Ekron to Gath to the Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. So they, they gave it all the land back. Um, and then Israel demands a king. They demand a king. So, uh... Samuel's uh, warning, he warns against a king. And, and here's what some people <clears throat> have a hard time understanding. Uh, there's God set up a government with the priesthood. He, he didn't set up a democracy. Uh, he set up a theocracy where he was the head and he set up representatives within the priesthood to represent the people. And so <clears throat> the priesthood essentially was the uh, the government entity and he was the king, the representative. So that's how this theocracy is set up. But it is still set up as a representative government. And that's, that's a, something that some people don't understand that when America was set up, even though it's not a theocracy, it is a republic, a democratically democratic republic. It uses a lot of the Israel model where you have representatives of uh, thousands and ten thousands. And so it's a representative republic and that gets set up. You see it with Moses. You see it throughout Israel's history, even though there was a theocracy and then later a king and a kingdom. <clears throat> it still functioned as a representative 
Um, <coughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <clears throat> Didn't get there in time. I have to rearrange my thing here. I'm too far over. So, um, so yeah. So there you go. Uh, so then we get we get they're going to choose a king. Samuel warns against the king, but uh, Saul uh, is chosen to be king. So, um, and and the the people kept crying out, but the people and this is at the end of eight. Nine, uh, verse 19, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may may like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, and go out before us, and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all these words, the people, uh, words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. So he sent them away. There's some really interesting stuff in that portion of Scripture um, that's easy to miss. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, this is verse 21 of chapter 8, he repeated them, where? In the ear of of the Lord, in the ear of the Lord. That is a, what do they call it? Uh, anthropomorphic um, presentation. That means that it's it's uh, uh, very human, very um, man. There's, a, there's somebody there. Uh, Samuel's talking to somebody. There's a representation of person there that he's talking because he's there's an ear. You can't have an ear without a head. And not just an ear there before Samuel. So there is some inter more interesting stuff that happens here as we come to chapter nine. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to read right away uh, about uh, uh, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bacharath, son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul. They give us all those names. And then, oh, but Saul. Yeah, well, that's an easy one. A handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So, apparently the criteria to be king is to be tall and handsome. There you go. I think that I must qualify. Oh no, I'm short and ugly. I guess not. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Let's get some lack. <laughs> there you go. Guess I can't be king. Sorry about that. Um, so then we come down here. Uh, the 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 uh, the family loses three donkeys and 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 Saul goes out with a, with some guys to go find it, <clears throat> and um, and then uh, they can't find him anywhere and then the servant of Saul again here I have uh, have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver and I will give it to the man of God to tell us our way so they're trying to find the donkeys formerly in Israel when a man went to inquire of God he said come. Let us go to the seer, that's what they called the prophets in those days, which it just tells you. And Saul said to his servant, well said, come, let us go. 
So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met young women coming out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? And they answered, He is. Behold, he is just ahead of you. Hurry. He has come just now to the city because the people have a sacrifice today on the high place. We're going to get to the high place in a minute. He'll hold your horses. I said, oh, I wish I had a horse. I don't think I have one. Um, I might have one, but I, I don't have it right now. For, for the people will not eat till, the, till he comes, since he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who, those who are invited will eat. Now go up, for you will meet with him immediately. So they went up to the city, and they were entering the city. They saw Samuel coming out towards them on his way to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Saul, tomorrow about this time, I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you will anoint him prince over my people, Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because they cry, their cry has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, the Lord told him, Yahweh told him, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, Yahweh told him, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He is, he it is who shall restrain my people. Then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, tell me where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the morning I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is on your mind. So I know you have questions. I'll, I'll answer your questions. <clears throat> all the way down, come down to 24, the end of 24 into 25. So Saul, it's a paragraph. So Saul ate with Samuel that day, and when they came down from the high place into the city, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof, and he laid down to sleep. Then at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, uh, up that I may send you on your way. So Saul rose, both he and Samuel went out into the street, and as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. couple of things. They keep going up to the high place. Remember we talked about that. Mountains and gardens are sacred spaces of worship to God. They go up to the high place. That's because they're going up to worship. And they keep going to the high place. Uh, he, the prophet goes up to the high place. They go up with him. They actually uh, have, a, have a meal there as, as part of the worship, as part of their, uh, their, uh, their ceremonial worship. So they, so they go to the high place, it's their place of worship, and then they go to Saul's. Now here's a question I got from James E. Uh, one of the questions I got, he's got other ones that you'll hear in New Testament uh, Friday, which will be later today. Um, so here's one of the questions. Why did he make a bed on the roof? Why did he sleep on the roof? My original answer to James was because it's a great place to get a tan. And so that's 
but that's not the right answer. So, but um, and especially because it's night, but it's a great place to see stars. No, we're not going to go with that either. So, but um, and the thing is, not every uh, ev not every translation has that in there. Uh, not every not translation, not every uh, manuscript original, not uh, of the copies that we have have that portion in there. But uh, we can assume he's he's made him the prince over the people of Israel. So the high place in the house, just like the high places here, is sacred space. The high place is a place where there's open floor. They talk up there. They walk back and makes him a bed. It's I, I see it as culturally a place of honor to be allowed to sleep in the highest point of the house. So that's that's my my general answer. I looked around for some answers. I didn't see anyone that really covered it, but that seems to me uh, leaning into the culture that that's that goes on here. I know they go to the roofs to talk and have questions and and speak with each other so there's mobility, it's not cramped. So they go up to the roof, open air, open space, and I think it's an honor to be able to sleep up on the roof. Uh, unless it rains, then maybe it's not very honoring. But the last verse in this chapter, um, he tells him to pass on because he wants that Saul, he wants to make known to him the word of the Lord. And remember, we've talked about this. This is where that jumps off the page at you. The word of God, the word of the Lord, the word of God is Christ. That's what he's called. John unlocks the key in first in John chapter one. In uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So woven throughout Scripture are these appearances, are these uh, um, representations of Yahweh that come to people, and it's often referred to as the Word of the Lord or the Word of God, because. Uh, he's there. He's he's appears before, and he wants Saul wants to uh, Samuel wants to make him known to Saul, and that's what that's talking about. So then he anoints him king. Again, Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it over his head, kissed his head. Has not God anointed you to be prince over his people? Now he still doesn't use the word king. He's still using this word nagid. And that is prince or leader. It's still not king. And so I noticed that, and I I'm, I'm kind of pondered that and wondered it. And then I'll, I'll give you where, where I landed uh, in, a few, in a few minutes. <clears throat> so now they, they travel. Doodle-doodle-doo. Um... And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hands of the surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. Uh, when you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And, and they will say to you, the donkey that you went to seek are found. So that was part of the thing. They found the donkeys. And so... They, they come to this place, and uh, he tells them everything that's going to happen. And uh, so then they go down to Gilgad. This is verse 8. 
And behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings, sacrifice, peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. So when he turned back to leave Samuel, when he turned back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. That's an interesting line. Gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gilead, Gibeah, excuse me, <clears throat> behold, a group of prophets met them, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him. Notice it's always upon. Very seldom in the Old Testament is the Spirit of God in, uh, because it's a different spiritual economy. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God rests upon men, rests upon kings, prophets, priests, uh, but not on every person. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets and the people said to one another, what has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of this place answered, uh, who is his father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to, you got it, the high place. Saul's uncle said to him, the servant, he asked him about the donkeys. But he, he told him about the donkeys and that Sam, he saw Samuel and the Samuel told him the donkeys were found. But he didn't tell him about being anointed as the prince. <clears throat> so now we come to the next portion. Uh, now Samuel called the people together to the Lord of Mizpah and gathered them all there. But today you have rejected your God who saved you out of the calamities and distress you have said to him, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So he's having them come in order. And uh, then they look for Saul. He's not around. <laughs> so they sent for him. Knew where he was. They sent for him. And then he came. And, and he stood among the people. He was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him? whom the Lord has chosen. There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. And how many times have you heard that in all kinds of stories and tales? So, uh, now some people did not want him to be king. It says, but some worthless fellows, uh, this is 27, now, chapter 10, but then some worthless fellow said, how can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. So now they come into the, the land, they take the land back, and the spirit of, of, of God rushed upon Saul again in chapter 6, and he, he was angry because uh, <clears throat> of uh, some of the Ammonites were holding hostage um, the elders of Jabesh, and he got mad. He killed some oxen, sent them all out. And uh, so they got fearful and returned them. And so then the kingdom is renewed. And we get down to 12 of chapter 11. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that, that we may put them to death. But Saul said, This is a really cool sentence. Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king before the Lord of Gilgal. 
There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced. So, um, a little foretelling there that there's no death on when when God brings redemption, when God brings salvation to people, then you do not suffer death. Saul had some great wisdom there. Obviously, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Um, but then there's the king aspect. He's anointed king now. He was prince before. So until he comes to the people and gets pro a proclamation, a, 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 a ceremony, if you will, or a, a definitive declaration that he is the king, uh, he's only a prince. And so that you see that play itself out uh, in, 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 in all kinds of things from there, all kinds of cultures off of that but interesting that he's called a prince first the leader and then he's a king and that seems to be how culture has leaned itself out but some interesting stuff going on that uh, pneumatology that spirit of the lord study of the spirit of god uh, there's a lot deeper than that that goes on but you see that there's another yahweh the word of god came to samuel so he is talking and speaking and listening and repeating to Samuel, and he introduces him to Saul, and so there. Well, from people say there's 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 no there's no uh, uh, Trinity, no triune God uh, mentioned in the Old Testament. There's no multiplicity of God in the Old Testament. That's just wrong because they knew God the Father was in heaven. They referred to him as Father. But there's also this other Yahweh that keeps coming to them, that keeps coming to the kings, that keeps coming to the prophets. The word of the Lord. He's expressed in many different ways. Angel of the Lord. Name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. And um, and they, they just they keep uh, using these references. And so uh, this is what we see, this consistency in Scripture. And... Uh, just loved it. So I hope you enjoyed that chapter. We love you so much. Uh, thank you, James, for the question. And uh, we will get this uploaded for you. Friday's edition of Old Testament Thursday. And we're so glad that you have joined us. And uh, come see us again uh, later today. I'm going to do New Testament Friday and get that uploaded as well. Busy, busy, busy.